Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Ria, founder of No Ties Consulting. And my name is Milos Novic. I'm an associate professor of law. And hello, good people. Yet another week, yet another episode of the Grumpy GDPR. Hi, Ria. Hey, Milos. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. The weather is beautiful here in Norway. Finally. For the time being, you know, after the big floods, I guess it's wonderful now, <laughs> like depends on your base of reference. And of course, it reminds me of nothing else, no concept less interesting than the ta-da, legitimate interest. How are you and your legitimate interests feeling today? Oh my gosh, I think uh, my legitimate interest is uh, pretty grumpy today. Oh no, because of legitimate <laughs> interests? <laughs> I have dug through so much now since the Bonnier News decision that came out of Sweden recently where they were fined 13 million Swedish kronor, which is, I did look it up, about 1.1 million euros. And this has just led me down the worst rabbit hole. And I've been going back to um, working party number what was it, 217 from 2014, we have the Court of Justice rulings that you're going to mention, and so much more. There is tons to dive in. But to start it off, legitimate interest has always been kind of one of those things which you can discuss in abstract, but which is a bit more difficult to evaluate in practice, right? So I think that all the decisions yeah. which we get from the Court of Justice or from national authorities are always useful until they're not until they start breaking things. So uh, without yeah. me spoiling it, why don't you tell us a bit about the Bonnier case? Yeah, so uh, the Bonnier case, uh, they call themselves uh, Sweden's leading news provider and the Nordic region, region's largest media group. And they do have 8,000 employees. So in Nordic terms, uh, they are fairly big. And they have 200 brands and a number of Sweden's largest and most well-known newspapers. Including, interestingly, uh, Dagens Industri, who was uh, one of those four companies from the Google Analytics decisions coming out of Sweden recently as well. Very interesting. But they didn't get a fine because they had uh, done their homework a bit better than the other two that got fined. So that's, um, that's interesting. But I have to say, Milos, I did read up on their website and this I, I, I can't help myself. Uh, on this, they also said that... Uh, our activities are wide-ranging and deep-digging, and we monitor the world every day from an international, national, and local perspective. <laughs> and I just found that hilarious, Come thinking on. about the content of this decision. Yeah, but it's cute. They're a news organization. Come on. <laughs> of course they're going to monitor the world. Um, of course, and wide-ranging and deep-digging as well. Yeah, that does sound suspect. <laughs> but... What this case is, why this case is really interesting is because I think it's one of the first cases which we're getting after the Court of Justice decision in the case, which you make made me look up the number, C252-21, <laughs> otherwise also known as one of the meta cases, also known as the, I want to say, Bundeskammer, whatever. I can never <laughs> pronounce the names of those cases. But basically, factually, quite similar, right? You have a uh, couple couple more of questions in that uh, CGU case. But amongst them was the question of intergroup data sharing and legitimate interest as a legal basis for advertising, cross-site advertising. So in the yeah. meta case, 
one of the many. The question actually was whether or not the off-site data could be combined with the user profiles on Facebook and whether or not that could be used to link their services, such as Instagram, to cross-track across these platforms and third websites. And if the answer is yes or no, would depend on whether or not they would have a valid legal basis. Facebook argued both contractual necessity and legitimate interest, to which the Court of Justice said, well, tough luck when it comes to online advertising, there is no such thing as legitimate interest, which has led many people to conclude that there is no such thing as legitimate interest when it comes to online advertising. I have to ask you there. Yes. I read on LinkedIn that uh, targeted advertising is illegal based on legitimate interest. True or false? False. Manifestly false. Manifestly false to the... uh, So... Context. Context is the key, and we have to read this case, and we need to pick it apart. So what the court said was that, first and foremost, it was uh, not expected, the data subjects could not expect such broad processing of their personal data, such sharing of their personal data to take place. Uh, And this is what threw the legitimate interest analysis off. That was the first part. To me, and let's just tackle that one right now, Uh, This should never have made it that far. To me, if your problem is the expectations of the data subject, then you need to fix your transparency, right? Your privacy policies inform users. So that should be a relatively easy fix. I think that is such a crucial point, Milos. Like, really crucial. And I hope everybody listening takes note of that. Because if you read the, the rulings and also these various decisions, the word reasonable or reasonably expect... And it all relates to the reasonable, what a data subject, like people like us, reasonably expect. And the one thing that I, I think I, I miss a bit in these decisions that is more explained in various guidelines from the working party and then later in uh, the EDPB is w- what is then reasonable? How do we know what people expect and don't expect? And I think there was this one study in one of the many, many, many Uh, meta DPC cases referring to what people expect and not. But I would love to see some more substance on that. And um, a lesson learned, I think, for um, the controllers here is to, uh, I I wrote it down on a post-it. I know it's really cheesy, but uh, DPIA, your uh, LIA, that you would say in Norwegian. (laughs) Uh, Meaning, yeah, I know it's really awful. Maybe I'll cut that out. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, I think I think it sounds. But really you get good. my point. Yes, and it's it's something that you can remember off the top of your head, right? Uh, but <laughs> I mean, come on, the legitimate interest in itself—it's based on the reasonable expectations, and the only way you can fix reasonable expectations is by giving people notice. Haha, <laughs> somebody would say, "Look into Article 5. <laughs> so like, um, so yeah, I don't think that you know we should be taking this out of its context. We have to look into the processing in question, and we need to look at the case in question. So just stating online yeah. ads are banned, no, I do not believe that is the case. So that was the first uh, yeah. part, and I will circle back. I promise you to this about evidence and everything because that is a whole. No, you know that was actually the second part, second issue which I was about to bring up, which is that. In weighing the legitimate interest, the court and the Bonnier case basically held that uh, the harm to data subjects or 
the ways that their interests are impacted is because they're going to feel monitored, they're going to feel surveilled, and in the Bonnier case, it even mentions it might influence their purchasing decisions. So my first thought is, yes, it's called marketing. <laughs> it might. <laughs> Isn't that the whole point? Yes. So yeah. that was kind of the first thought. The second one is um, evidence. As you say, like, uh, what is the standard if the court of justice comes with this kind of a ruling, it is still up to the DPAs to actually evaluate this in practice. We cannot rely on mm. one survey from a very limited amount, from what I remember, uh, of participants submitted by an interest group to be, mm. you know, now the golden standard yeah. in Europe. You need to assess the actual website, you need to look into their pop-ups, analyze everything, more or less, right? So I don't think that the takeaway should be uh, nope, you know, people are going to feel monitored and that's it. Inform them. Yeah, and I think this is a huge missed opportunity for many controllers as well because how many of them have actually asked one of those data subjects and rather than asking data subjects, can you please just ask people, ask your customers, ask your website visitors, do a check of your privacy notice uh, for fun. So I went to uh, Bonnier's website, as I mentioned, and I took their website privacy policy and I put it into a Word document, uh, no editing of text, font size or anything. And it turned out to be just over 33 pages. Yeah. Like you can't, uh, because uh, Bonnier points to that several times in their uh, dialogue with uh, the uh, Data Protection Authority, that uh, we have informed people about this in our privacy notice. Well, giving people a privacy notice of 33 pages is not transparent. Mm. And I don't know what the different stages of that journey would look like, but I really doubt that uh, most people would actually sit down and read that. Yes, I agree. And sometimes it can be as simple as not even a pop-up. You can just have it, uh, I don't know, I'm not cre feeling very creative right now, but something along the lines, hey, we're using ads, you know, uh, as a link where people can click and find out more. I know it maybe breaks user experience a bit, but this is, uh, this is a problem. The lack of transparency is a problem, but I do not yeah. think that uh, invalidating the whole concept of legitimate interest is going to help anyone. So two questions come to my head. First and foremost, why would we conclude that legitimate interest can't be based for uh, targeted or profile-based marketing. If I recall correctly, the GDPR explicitly mentions legitimate interest, uh, th that the legitimate interest can be based uh, on marketing, or the other way around, sorry, that marketing can constitute a legitimate interest. So I don't Yeah, think I think that's Recital 47, and it uh, pertains to direct marketing. And this is a topic in itself, because I discussed this a few years back with someone. And I, uh, I raised that as uh, a point and he said, well, retargeting isn't direct marketing. So there's a difference uh, in his view on what is direct marketing and not. And I'm not sure if that is really that relevant. I think that what the recital tells us is that marketing is a legitimate interest and I wouldn't get too hung up on whether or not it's direct mm. or indirect uh, via retargeting and uh, and all of that. But um, we do know for a fact that yeah. uh, marketing 
is uh, a legitimate interest. I mean, anything, and this is stated in, in other decisions as well. Yeah, anything is legitimate. Earning money, as you say, it is a legitimate interest. The question is then how do you balance it with these other things? And here the case yeah. was about sharing with too many parties and sharing in a non-transparent way, which means that there is still room to do it properly. The way that I'm reading the decisions is... Um, yeah, and the, and the ruling as well. I absolutely do not read that ruling as stating you cannot rely on legitimate interest uh, for this type of, of uh, marketing and advertising. But there's one thing that I think is a bit tricky in that ruling as well is the way that they discuss personalized content versus personalized advertising. That's two different things. Um, and I'm not sure if the court is really aware of that um, difference or if they meant to say personalized content, uh, including advertising, because if they use it um, differently in various places. And I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Maybe someone else out there listening to this can enlighten us. The Court of Justice has been, how should I, like, I'm not going to criticize their expertise, um, I'm not, not going to criticize their expertise because sometimes they use very <laughs> unfortunate wording, like very, very yeah. unfortunate wording. And then people read too much into it, I'm afraid. But again, you know, my yeah. perspective is obviously just mine. Uh, in any case, so that is uh, when it comes to advertising, our conclusion is inform people, make sure they can expect this, make sure you're not cross-sharing so much that you lose control and they lose control. And that is perfectly consistent with Article 5. Well, I have my doubts on that because where I think the, the core issue here is where do we draw the limit on what you can rely on legitimate interest for when it comes to marketing and advertising? Because there are different scenarios here and the ruling specifically addressed the of Facebook data, you know, the cross-sharing within a group of companies uh, across services and products that, that are, you know, separate from each other, which is one thing. And then even um, with, with the other third-party websites through Facebook Pixel and whatnot. So that is like the, the worst case scenario as I see it. Mm. But then what about um, profiling and targeting only on your own domain? only mm. in within your own service. Let's say that Facebook only used the, the content of Facebook uh, without relying on any other data from any third party or other services, even within their own group. And then um, you also have, um, yeah, a first party versus third party, I guess, is the question, mm. is my question. Honestly, since I believe that it's not problematic, entirely problematic to share it with third parties, I do not see why it would be problematic as such in itself to do first party personalization. I really like I cannot imagine it. Mm -hmm. It's not in the spirit of the GDPR to say all profiling because that's what it de facto is then, right? Profiling is banned. Yeah. So it's it's not exactly what the legislators intended. The problem is much with like we talked the last time. It seems like a political reaction, and we need the GDPR for the big tech and GDPR for normal people. But uh, yeah. not yes. to preach too much. Going back to Bonnier, 
not only did it deal with um, targeted ads, but it also dealt with exactly this aspect which you mentioned, the cross-group or intra-group sharing of personal data. And there it held as well that uh, there is no legitimate interest in such sharing of personal data and brought in the e-commerce, sorry, e-privacy directive and all yeah. the other host of things and objections there, the DPA. So what uh, what are your thoughts on that? Just saying that, yeah. Oh my gosh, this is, I think the decision is complex to begin with because of the technicalities of it. And um you know, of course, you know me, I did a data diagram, I shared my version one on LinkedIn, and I plan to gonna do a small plug here for my newsletter, the curated DPO. So I will share my update diagram uh, for my subscribers there. Because I need to look at that when I'm thinking about this decision. Because as I said, you have the technical complexity. Uh, but then you have the decision that's written slightly, you know, it's written in Swedish. I'm Norwegian, so I can understand it quite good. But that said, I think it's um, not excellent written, to say it in a very diplomatic <laughs> way. It is slightly confusing. Uh, let, uh, let's uh, take um, one example. So when IME, the Swedish Data Protection Authority, they talk about the legitimate interest assessment. To begin with, I was really confused because what they described was to me the purpose and not the interest. Mm. So part one of legitimate interest assessment is to assess the interest of the party wanting to process the personal data in question. But as Imi describes it, it is more the aim, the purpose of the processing. And I had to go back to 2014 and Working Party 217 to look this up to see what's, uh, what's the intention of part one mm. of the legitimate interest assessment. And actually here Bonnier describes it uh, correctly, I believe. Mm. In the end, I think uh, though uh, Imi gets to it, uh, but that's in step three where they explain what is the interest, because the interest is like what's at stake here. Yeah. The purpose, yes, we process the personal data to uh, profile and retarget. That is the purpose. But why do we do mm. it? The interest is to make money, which I also think is like really deep somewhere in that decision. Uh, Bonnier conveniently highlights that, well, we want to give customers an easy way to, uh, you know, exercise their mm. rights. Um, I'm sure, but that's not first on your list, right? So I don't know, what, how did you read it? So for me, it was very, very strange. Honestly, I could not erase the court's ruling from my mind when I was reading this. But at the end of the day, they do both basically say the same. There is no such thing as like unlimited legitimate interest in um, cross-site tracking or intra-group sharing of personal data, both of which are perfectly fine by me. But the uh, drawing of different lines in Bonnier struck me as a bit strange. So for instance, what I recall, the Data Protection Authority stated that you can't just share personal data of people from whom you obtained consent and then share it with other companies within your group, because then those companies are going to be able to use it based on legitimate interest or whatever, and it should not be easier for them to process your personal data. None of that makes sense to me. So basic recap, 
if I work in Milos IS and I have Milos IS2, uh, the Milos IS2 is not allowed to get data from the first one who got consent and then use legitimate interest. Uh, I find it very, very strange that such discussions would take place because, first of all, if they're joint controllers, you have one legal ground. So one of the joint controllers... No, I think they uh, were explicit on that, that each controller, despite being joint controllers, still need their own legal basis for the processing. What? <laughs> How? I must have... <laughs> that must have been lost in all the treasures of the decision... That makes no sense. You have joint controllers and they respectively divide blah, 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 their duties between themselves. What each joint controller, then everybody need who, yeah. Mm, wait, I see some logic in it. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. So I work, but it doesn't make sense and it does make sense, right? Because if you and I are joint controllers together and we agree to process personal data of our listeners and we look into statistics together, do both I and you need to obtain their consent? I don't think so. It makes no sense. But then when I think about, uh, say, joint Facebook as a joint controller with a website, of course we expect the website to get consent. So I don't know. I need to look that basic thing up. But my instinct is if you have two joint controllers, one legal basis is enough. One of them accessing, uh, sorry, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe this uh, would be an episode in itself. And I know we keep saying that, that we have uh, such a backlog of episodes now. Mm. But it's an interesting discussion because in Bonnier's website, uh, Privacy Policy as well. So take another example. They are doing events and then they are sharing that um, registration data, names and email addresses with others based on legitimate interest. And based on everything that I've read of decisions, rulings and guidelines so far, it is pretty clear to me that you can't rely on legitimate interest for that because um, you would need, or maybe, so let's say that controller, the controller in charge of the event and collecting the personal data, they need um, a lawful basis for that. And that would be consent, for example. And then they would need a lawful basis for sharing that with others yeah. from the data subjects. That makes so sense. you would need granular consent is my point I'm trying to get to here. Well, um, the way that I'm thinking about it is you have one legal basis per purpose, right? My first purpose is yeah. to show them ads on my website. My second one is to make group services, whatever, optimal. For the first one, I ask for consent. For the second one, I do not see why I would not be able to ask to use any of the other six equal legal bases, which does bring me to one point, which really mm -hmm. rubbed me the wrong way. And that was that in the Court of Justice decision, they mentioned the data subject cannot expect that comma without their consent comma. What is this like, uh, you know, obsession with consent? It's just like any other legal basis. So I don't know, other processing operations are, to me, it's fine to use other legal basis, but then um, maybe it has something to do with the purpose limitation principle. Maybe they're repurposing the data then. Yeah, but I, I think this, uh, this consent thing you raise is because of the problems with the transparency that you raised. Because this is such an issue 
when uh, people aren't aware of what you're actually doing with their data, which was a huge point in the Bonnier decision as well, that people don't reasonably expect you to use their personal data for such purposes to share across companies, to upload their email to Facebook, which, by the way, Bonnier, they also do that. They take, if you're a customer of Bonnier News or affiliated companies, you should know that they take your email address out of their customer database and they upload it in Meta's systems to retarget you on their platforms, be it Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, or whatever, which I think is an absolutely despicable practice that everybody should stop doing immediately. I am so pissed off that so many companies use my email addresses and upload them to Meta's systems to either include me on marketing lists or exclude me. I don't think that is right at all. And I would never, ever accept a legitimate interest assessment on that. Sorry, I no, went no, out no, on No, 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 you didn't. <laughs> but you remember that Jim uh, case, the Sats case, uh, when I lodged a complaint back in 2018, that was actually the main driving force when I logged into Facebook and saw that there are now seven companies all across the Nordics who have now uploaded this uh, personal data, like basically yeah. my email address for targeting on Facebook, uh, you know, even though I had no relationship with them. So I totally get that sentiment. Still, I think we have to conclude consent is as good as anything else. Yes. Conversely as well. Legitimate interest based profiling slash targeting is not banned as such. And intragroup data sharing and this profiling have to be backed up by very detailed assessments and transparency needs to be 100% insured, and then you can be fine, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think uh, that is a brilliant summary. And to end on a positive note, so I did um, notice the, um, the discussion around the product development purpose, which I know is highly relevant for many, many tech processors out there. And... Um, if they, if I, I don't have this in front of me, but if I remember correctly, the ruling starts by saying that relying on legitimate interest for the purpose of product development uh, or improvement is not per se illegal, but because of the enormous scale of the processing of meta and the large number of data subjects, maybe I might be... Mm. Not 100% correct on that. But the point that I read, I read it. If you read those uh, sentences the other way, I interpret that meaning that if you are a, a normal sized controller, like, you know, the, the big tech and the rest of us, if you're a normal sized controller, this would in my head mean that you can actually rely on legitimate interest for product improvement because it's not... Uh, large scale and hugely invasive and processing across several products. Yeah, so it all depends on the scale and the risk. So th exactly nothing inherently bad in it. However, this would track you all around the web. If that is your product, yeah. then you'll likely also have resources to like have a focus group and test that way, right? So yeah, yeah I do not think it's bad. What do you think about the concept of personal data in the, the Bonnier decision? I know somebody no asked time. me about that. We have no time. I have many, many, many thoughts on the concept of personal data <laughs> as such. And uh, yeah, but I think... I'll say one thing then, yes. uh, that it's interesting, almost uh, funny, 
that Bonnier deems the simple profiles that they call them to not be personal data when the whole intention of the processing is to single out individuals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those arguments, <laughs> I honestly feel that whomever is trying to make a case this is not personal data is going to lose. Like, this is a losing argument. Everything is personal data. Yeah. So, And we are running out of time. You, you are absolutely right. Oh my gosh, I think maybe we need to do a follow-up. It's our legitimate interest. Come on, we can <laughs> board the audience. But hopefully... Yeah, we are relying on legitimate interest to continue this uh, discussion in uh, a follow-up episode one day. Yes, can't wait. Thanks and take care. Bye, Bye for now.